Legally Unzipped, where you develop your commercial and jurisdictional awareness. Hello everyone, it's lovely to have you back for another episode. On today's episode, we will be discussing role of a solicitor and the route to get there. Joining me is Anisha, who will be taking us through her journey. Hi Anisha, how are you? Hi, really well, thank you. Good, good. So Anisha, you are a family solicitor who is qualified now. Um, You've had your training contract with a firm in Surrey and you stayed there just under a year, then moved on to your current firm, is that correct? Yep, that's all correct. Right, so yeah, you started your, your work, you worked for three weeks and obviously, unfortunately, the pandemic happened. So you now work from home? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, only three weeks. And you took the traditional route, which obviously you'll be talking about a bit, uh, which was the North Degree and the LPC. Yes, that's right. Right, so in terms of like work experience, you didn't actually have any legal work experience throughout your degree, you just worked in retail. I know, it sounds awful and obviously that is not what... I'll be advising today um, for any students or aspiring lawyers to do, but obviously I'm more than happy to share my experience and how it worked out for me. So, yeah, I, I completely understand that. And in terms of, you know, the whole room becoming a solicitor, you were, you felt like you were quite naive and about how and what to do, you know, and you kind of had a panic because you had no relevant work experience and you felt like that was going to impact your career. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. I did feel like I was on a bit of, bit of a back foot compared to other people um, who also wanted to join the profession. Um, and yeah, I did go through a complete stressful time during my LPC, just rushing around really to try and get any work experience just so I can get my foot in the door. Yeah, no, do you know, I feel like a lot of people will actually be able to relate here, even myself. I mean, I don't have a training contract yet, and I'm about to finish the LPC. So I'm really happy to have you because maybe I can actually take some notes that you, you know, you share with us today. So just to begin with, did you know that law was always for you? So I, no, in short, basically, <laughs> um, I actually applied for primary school teaching. Um, at university, that's what I've seen myself. Um, it wasn't until just before university started, I just started researching a bit more about careers where I could help people. Yeah. Um, and I saw that through primary school teaching. But I think the reason why I didn't know about careers in law is because I don't come from a background where I have lawyers in my family or mm-hmm. any kind of family friends or connections in the field. So it just wasn't something I ever knew about. Yeah. Um, and I- closer to going off to university um I did a bit of research online and there were just some things in there that I felt I could make a big impact um becoming a lawyer basically um yeah I think that that's really it yeah yeah do you know I, I can relate here I mean I'm the first one to actually do law in my family so it, it feels great to be bringing something different but it's also I feel this pressure constantly because everyone thought oh she's doing something different something quite prestige I would say so I see where you're coming from yeah. here and yeah how did you get familiar with the path to become a solicitor again I think this just shows my lack of like I think just a bit of naivety and a lack of understanding and knowledge about the profession um when I got into university I had a really good friend um there who, who yeah we basically got a lot closer as time went on and she actually told me and gave me an insight as to what we had to do. Again, yeah. I think it's about 
towards the end of first year, which she was explaining to me the process of a training contract and even having to do exams during a training contract, I had no idea about. Um, so, yeah, she was really helpful because she was a lot more clued up than me, in all honesty. Yeah. So I did my own research and then I just started accessing like career services as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think where you, where you where you are like the first person accessing this field in your family or amongst your friendship group, um, it does help, and you do need to put in a lot more research than say other people who have that advantage of knowing the, the profession well um, to find out how to get into it and how to successfully navigate it because it can be really overwhelming. Um, and I feel like step by step, as I was progressing and going through my journey into law, I was learning new things at every stage. So. I know a lot of people now are quite clued up with, oh, yeah, you automatically go and do your degree, go to law school or the SQA and then do a training contract. Mm. I did that before I went to university and potentially not even during the first year of university. So it was a complete learning curve. And I know that sounds absolutely awful. Um, but I think, yeah, obviously, <laughs> I'm someone who is looking to do it. Just do your research and reach out. I wish I was more confident to reach out um, to other kind of people in the field who were lawyers maybe through LinkedIn or other kind of social media platforms just to find out how they did it as well I think that would have been really helpful yeah do you know what I absolutely agree because I was the same I never really did as much research as I should have and I think as I started applying to for like for training contracts in my second year and it was absolute chaos looking back at it I think why didn't I look into it more or attend more events and you know law firms have so many things you can do yeah I agree here yeah definitely definitely but what I would say is don't beat yourself up about that I think I'm mm. through, even if you haven't and even if you didn't have a clue about what you're getting yourself into you can definitely yeah. still do absolutely absolutely so once you obviously started doing your research and started getting more into it how did you eventually get your training contract so once I finished law school there was like this work experience booklet that came through the door and it was actually aimed at like GCSE students Mm-hmm. It was from like the local MP at the time. I can't remember who it was, but it just had some different firms. So for me, that was the starting point because I knew these firms would offer work experience. Um, I think one of the difficulties I found personally is that a lot of firms you wrote to weren't willing to provide work experience. Mm-hmm. And now being qualified, I can honest, I, I can kind of see why, and um, I can see how busy the job is and how difficult it is to train. Obviously. Um, someone will just get them in for work experience it does take a lot of time yeah um and for them for, for like a student or aspiring lawyer to get the best out of that you, you do need to have the time to invest in them and yeah. there's no point making them do it it's, it's quite half-hearted um but yeah so I I started just writing to these places I knew and they were advising me for like an odd one week two weeks here and there yeah which I did really great um just to start adding on my CV and to be honest I do think what worked in my favour was that experience was then quite recent mm-hmm. I know a lot of people have loads from like secondary school and as you do go through the profession and you're applying for like training contracts a lot of the focus will be on your most recent experience yes. the kind of work experience you've done when you're younger is great to show like your motivation and your commitment but mm-hmm. I would recommend you do a lot more kind of like getting towards the end of your LPC really so it's, it's a lot more recent and you're you're more caught like You've got a lot more um, kind of, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say, like you've got a lot more like academic yeah. um, behind you. You're not so early on because I think you will find when you're so early on, a lot of firms just won't take you. Yeah. Um, 
even though you've done the degree, they still find you too junior, which yeah. is which racing. So yeah, I did a few one week placements here and there, and then I just went online and I went on. I think it was like Indeed or one of these job searching mm-hmm. places, just to look for firms in my local area. So I thought, let me just reach out to them and see if they can give me a bit of experience now that I've gathered some odd one weeks here and there. Yeah, and I found a placement at a firm in Surrey and. They invited me in for an interview and I did about three months with them. And I think I did about a few hours, about three days a week. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I do think the longer placement helps because I've got a better insight. Sometimes it's odd one week or one day. Like they're great, but how much of the firm do you really get to see? And how much of the work do you really get a chance to do? Yeah. Um, so that placement yeah it, it, it worked out quite well and then obviously after I did those um three months I was then offered a training contract which which I took mm-hmm. oh well congratulations by the way I mean that's <laughs> great and um, I definitely understand where you're coming from I did a bit of work experience in secondary school in year 10 I think it was and then mm-hmm. I would apply but like you said not everyone wants to take students on just work experience yeah. Um, recently, I did actually six months. I was very lucky um, to do and six months. Yeah. Um, but then I also did a week, and that week didn't feel like I got enough. I mean, I was just given this starter pack, like this experience pack, and I just had to do some research. So it didn't really feel like an experience. Whereas the six months, I got to do so much, and the more I actually worked for them, the more complex things I did. But yeah. Just literally following on with this, when it comes to long work experience, sometimes you feel like you're getting almost used. And that's what I felt because I did so much. I did core bundles and home office applications. And I didn't didn't get paid, but I didn't, in the same time, get any other help. I mean, at one point I used to go to central London and send out applications for the tribunal, but I didn't even get the transport money. I didn't really get that much out of it. Yeah. Because you obviously did volunteering as well, how would you advise students not to feel like they're being exploited by volunteering? I think that's really important and it's a great question as well. And obviously your own experience, um, there are some things in there that do raise red flags for me. Obviously, I think it's amazing you you were able to get a placement, particularly during this time as well, um, with the pandemic. And obviously the experience you've got now will put you in better stead when you're talking in interviews you'll have a lot more to talk about than say that odd one week where you did this random application yeah Um, but in terms of not being exploited um kind of the three things i'd advise students or aspiring lawyers to look out for the first thing is check what firms already have like an existing work experience thing so there are some firms that when you go onto their website they actually do have a tab for work experience and they have like a program in place and i think places like that they've obviously been quite well established and they obviously have um a program that works mm-hmm. uh, instead of sending out to like ran- i mean you can send out to, to kind of random other law firms as well but i just think a good start is to look at places that already do have that program in place um and maybe like reach out like have a look online for any other um, aspiring lawyers or students who have done like placement there and find out how they found it yeah. did they sort of use did they enjoy it what, what what would be the advice they they give you basically is it worth taking um i was actually offered a placement as well before i took the one um this three month one basically that i did at another firm of solicitors and when i went for the interview for me it was initial red flags um they basically said i'd be expected to work i think it was near uh, i think past six months 
ultimately for free. Yeah. Um, I'd be expecting me to travel to all these courts around England. Um, again, there was no finances. And um, I actually reached out to a mentor at that stage because I know when you're a student, it can be really easy to just feel like, not, like quite desperate, I think. Like you just yeah. really want to try. You put so much into it. And I, I totally get that. And I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't at the point where I felt, let me just take this um, and see how it goes. But when I reached out to the mentor I had, um, he basically said, I think you should value yourself a bit more. And mm-hmm. you, you don't do that. And to be honest, that put things into perspective for me. So, yeah, do look for places that have an existing scheme. Um, secondly, trust your gut. You shouldn't feel like you're working like a full day or like you're, you're doing a full-time job. I do yeah. think that's really A work experience is supposed to be like an insight. You're supposed to have the opportunity to shadow don't get me wrong, like doing a bit of drafting or a bit of documents, like um, maybe court bundles is fine. But I think there is a line where it shouldn't feel like that's your responsibility. Mm-hmm. And that sh- it should just more feel like you're assisting someone. I think the minute it starts feeling like that's become your task and that's become your role, I do think that it's becoming, like, yeah, it is basically exploitation at that point. Um. <laughs> And the other thing is I do think firms who do work experience as well should be offering payment for, say, lunch and travel. Mm-hmm. And if they do, that is a good sign as well because I think they do, they, they are then valuing you. Um, because ultimately you are, you, you are assisting them. Yeah. Um, and I think fair enough, like they're not going to pay you, you need the, the experience. That's fine. But I do think there's a fine line with sending you kind of across England to go to different courts and stuff when you're not being given the travel money and let's be honest traveling to central London or wherever it might be is quite expensive Absolutely. um it's not and if you're not working um I don't see why that should be coming out of students pockets um I do think you should be given like amounts say weekly to use towards your, your travel and your lunch it doesn't have to be a massive amount but I do think that's something to look out for too I think firms that are really willing to just take and not give I think is a definite warning sign yeah absolutely I definitely agree and looking back at the six months I did it it definitely felt like I was starting to do almost like a part-time job it wasn't just work experience I did so many things so yeah it's it's been crazy but that's actually really great advice and some people who are just new to this and are looking for some volunteering some work experience I think it'll be really beneficial to them so if we move on to your actual career because I'm sure that's what everyone wants to hear about um you obviously qualified as a family law solicitor I know that family law wouldn't be for me for example just because the emotional attachment you can have so why don't you take us through maybe some pros and cons of being a family um, law solicitor? Yeah, sure. So what drew me to family law is definitely how rewarding it's felt. Mm. Um, I think just from the minute you do a case, whether it be helping someone um, get an injunction to, to protect them from domestic abuse, whether it be acting for a mum or a dad who social services are trying to remove their child from their care, maybe it might be something as exciting as a child abduction case. Um, there's no better feeling than kind of knowing you've helped someone who really needed that help. Yeah. And getting the outcome they want. Um, you are dealing with obviously very vulnerable people who are going through difficult times. So I do, one, one of the pros definitely for me is how rewarding and, and fulfilling it is. It's not a job where I feel like I'm just money making. I do feel like it's, it's giving something back. Yeah. 
In terms of another pro, family law is definitely really exciting in the sense that if you're someone who gets bored quite easily, you're never going to be doing the same work um, every single day at the office. It will always be different. Every case is always different. Every client is always different. Every fact of the case, um, the child, whoever's involved is going to be really different. So you'll find yourself on your feet a lot. Um, yeah. You get to go to court. So those who people who enjoy going to court, you'll get that experience as well. You can, you, you'll even be given the opportunity to do some of your own hearings, which is great if you feel confident to do that. Um, yeah. in terms of oh, and also you get a lot of client interaction. So if you like talking like me quite a lot, um, <laughs> you're, you're, um, so those are definitely some of the pros for me that that drew me to that area. In terms of the cons, um, I think you were right to pick up on how emotional it is. Mm. So you are dealing with um people who are in very stressful situations, and I think something to remember as well is. When they do come to us, they're dealing with some of the worst times in their life, which they've never shared with anyone. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you can take on that emotional burden mm-hmm. and it can be quite hard to switch off. And especially, I think, if you work in like a local area where you live, some of the case files you will read will shock you because it might be stuff that you just never would imagine happens or goes yeah. on around. Um, so I think that is definitely one of the con that, um, you are dealing with quite stressful clients and I think just by default that stress can pass on to you and you can become really attached and, and find it really hard to switch off from at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of kind of another con as well, you do have to be really organised because family law, I mean, sometimes you might get notice of a hearing like the day before, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even on the day that you've got caught here in the afternoon. So, you will find yourself having to clear your schedule <laughs> sometimes, oh just readjusting to it. I mean, that is not always, and it, that does depend what kind of area of family children are you focus in because it's so broad, but that's something else to be aware of, that you do need to be quite organised and, and keep on top of everything. Yeah. Um, I think that, that definitely is another con. Um, and also, I think just more relevant to the pandemic, another con is before a lot of us family lawyers were dealing with these really kind of tragic cases, in the office, yeah. Um, and obviously, we're reading some quite horrific stuff, or just very emotional, stressful stuff, in the comfort of our own homes, which can be really difficult. Um, yeah. So to create, whereas before I always felt like I was leaving that all at the office. Mm. I was pretty, whereas now I do feel like, okay, my home environment where I'm supposed to be quite calm has now also been encompassed by this, all these cases and things I need to think about. Yeah my pros and cons yeah I mean yeah like you 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 said with me the emotional part is is really what kind of put me not put me off but I just knew this wouldn't be for me I remember during my work experience I did read a few case files on divorce and stuff like that and I can't imagine how I would go through that and I think the worst thing you can do as a solicitor is attach yourself emotionally to your clients because then you might be more inclined to make the wrong decisions based on your emotions so I chose the corporate part let's make a deal and let's call it a day but I really admire people who do criminal and family law if I'm honest yeah yeah it's definitely um like quite an exciting area but you're you're completely right yeah you you do have to have that kind of not a front as such but you need to be able to be professional and remove your emotions from this case and deal with it as a client and as a new case because just as you said you're right it can obviously then impact your decision making and your problems out of the skills which is what you don't want 
Yeah, exactly. So now that we're just talking about like qualities and emotions and things like that, mindful of the time here, let's do a few like snap questions. So for example, <laughs> what qualities would do you think you would need to become a solicitor in your opinion? So my top three, definitely organisational skills. <clears throat> you need just, yeah, be on top of everything, deadlines. It's kind of almost similar with how students are studying at the minute. You need to be able to allocate your time of when you're going to do certain tasks. Yeah. <clears throat> Second one is you have to have good listening skills. You need to be able to identify the problem of what the client's telling you and filter out what actually is the issue, what do we need to deal with. Um, and the third um, skill, I think, as well, um, you need to be able to... So what did I say? Organisation, listening. Yeah. Communication as well. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you, you can't be speaking in legal jargon to clients who are mm. stressed and upset. They're not going to understand it. And at the end of the day, you need to be able to break things down um, yeah. so that they can. I think that's a skill that solicitors definitely need. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then another question that I have is, before obviously you've qualified, before this whole journey took off, what expectations did you have in you know the field, and how different is it now that you are working in it? I was so scared that the day I woke up as a qualified solicitor, all the responsibility, everything was just going to be solely on me instead yeah. of having, um, and that's something that really worried me because I couldn't see the difference waking up the day after being a, a qualified solicitor um mm -hmm. I, did, I couldn't change for that all to fall on me now um, but I was so wrong um once I did qualify I did still have that support and no one was expecting you to go run off and be able to handle cases all by yourself and be completely alone and not ask any questions um everyone was still really supportive from the courts the judges suave lawyers and everyone could understand that you you were just newly qualified so you were still learning which was great Oh, do you know what? That actually puts me at peace a little bit because that's what I, I feel like. I'm going to be so stressed when I actually start a training contract or, oh my God, yeah. when I qualify. Yeah. 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 Honestly, it, I, I know a lot of people worry about it, but it is nothing to worry about. You will still have a support system there. So, and no one will expect you to know it all <laughs> because you're still quite junior. Yeah. And then, obviously, in terms of, I mean, you did speak about this, you know, keeping organized and just, you mm -hmm. know, having quite a lot to do. What's the work-life balance um, as a solicitor? During the pandemic, I think I'd say not great. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. honestly. But I think when we're not in the pandemic and you have things open up, um, you do get that time. I think it depends what firm you work for, to be honest. I think it depends yeah. what firm you work for and what area of law you're doing. Um, I, I, like, I, there is some out of hours work, if I was to be completely honest. I don't want you, like anyone listening to think it's definitely a nine-to-five. Um, there is some hours work and there is sometimes a little bit of weekend work if say for example you've got an urgent here on a Monday you might want to catch up with some emails or maybe there's something you want to add in or prepare for for court but yeah there is a bit of out, out, out of hours work but it's not I wouldn't say it's that regular um, mm. it is only when you're when you've got a lot on and I think that just comes down to you knowing when to say you've got enough on yeah you never say like no, I can't do anything else at the minute. I need to just focus on what I've got. Um, because if you get really overwhelmed and you're taking on too much and you, I, I know everyone obviously wants to be working low. There's this culture that we should be working. 
non-stop. You will just burn yourself out and you're not going to be any good to anyone when you're like that. It's going to impact how you work on your cases. And the best thing you can do for your clients is just to to be taking that rest and that recharge so that when you do speak to them, you're all ready to go. Yeah. Um, and I also think make sure you take time for you. That's something I, that's really important. Mm. Um, do scrap that out. I think sometimes we get so carried away thinking about our clients and um, what we need to do, but you just need to block out some time. And that's something I'm trying to get better at in the sense of maybe taking the Sunday for maybe a self-care day, um, just whatever it may be, speak to a friend, go out. I know obviously the, the restrictions hopefully we'll be using soon. Hopefully. Yeah. Just like obviously, just just get out there and get some fresh air. Just the usual things we know that are good for us, but we just seem to neglect sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I agree here. And when you mentioned burning yourself out, I felt that one. I mean, just with yeah. the the exams, I was working so hard all the time, day in day. And it got to the point where once the exams were set up over, I did not, I didn't know what to do with myself. And it was yeah. just, everything just fell apart. And I'm still trying to get my schedule back on track. So yeah, that's, that's really great advice. And I just think just sum up today's episode, what final advice or like a message do you have for students and aspiring solicitors, whether in family law, or just law in general? For any aspiring solicitors, what I would say is don't give up on your dream. To be a um, to be a lawyer, whether that be a solicitor or barrister, just go for it. Um, even if you feel the odds stacked against you, even if you think you you don't meet the stereotype of what a typical solicitor or barrister is, just keep going for it. Because obviously, like, like don't don't worry about that. Don't worry about your background. Don't worry about where you you were educated. Don't worry about your grades. Um, don't let that deter you. Because at the end of the day, you will get there. And don't compare yourself to other people. I think it's so easy to look at others and see how much work experience they've got or when they got their training contract and wonder why, why is that not me but obviously everyone's timing is different and if you just keep focusing on yourself eventually it will pay off and I, I'm a true believer of that um because I think as you as you meet more different lawyers you'll find like their backgrounds are completely different how they got into the law is completely different so there yeah. is enough for everyone um, so don't, don't put yourself down and don't be so hard on yourself honestly um, you will get there yeah I, I love that I think I needed to hear that and a lot of people listening will probably need to hear that I mean I hate the time in, during the year where obviously a lot of people are accepting the training contract offers which is I mean it's great I'm happy for them but whenever I go on LinkedIn all I see is you know I'm humble to say I've got a training contract and stuff like that and yeah. I always sit there like but why wasn't that me like what am I doing wrong yeah I yeah 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 and you know what like there's like I mean just to give you an idea as well just to kind of wrap up as well um your own life experiences can really form your career in law. So, for example, when I was working in retail, that is actually how I met one of my mentors, just through being mm-hmm. So, honestly, it doesn't matter what you're doing. I just think if you, you put out that energy, it, it will just – things will fall in place for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I get why people celebrate and shout to the rooftops when they do get a training contract because it's so, like, hard. But I think the other thing to always remember is there would have been a lot of work that went into that that we just don't get to see, and that is just flashed on social media. Um, so just always kind of take that, that, keep that at the back of your mind. It wasn't a situation. I, I think it's very unlikely that someone just applies for one and suddenly gets it. Um, I'm pretty sure they would have put a lot of hard work and graft into it. 
Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. And I think that was a really nice way to kind of wrap up the, the episode and everything that we've, you know, discussed today. It's kind of nice to at the end say, you know, you've got this, just believe in yourself and you can do what Anisha's doing, you know? <laughs> so, so thank you so much for coming on today. It was amazing to listen to, you know, your journey and all your tips. And I will be taking them on board myself. <laughs> Um, so yeah thank you so much for being here and to our listeners you know thank you for listening and being here with us and we will see you in the next episode thank you so much legally unzipped where you develop your commercial and jurisdictional awareness